Welcome once again to No Apology with the Bible Idiots. We want to wish you a very Merry Christmas. And today we'll be bringing you the long-form teaching. And we hope this message will set the tone for your holiday and for the new year. Chris is taking us to a somewhat non-traditional text, John chapter 1. But nonetheless, it's entitled, Having a Solid Christmas. Chris and I will be back after the new year with more new podcasts. But until then, we just want to wish you a very Merry Christmas and many blessings for the new year. Well, today, the title of the message is Getting a Solid Christmas and the emphasis on getting Christmas solid. See, that's an old neighborhood saying. You know, the way of saying like right on or best or something's on the mark. I'm doing you a solid or you did a solid last night. You follow? So let's get us a solid Christmas. And I'm talking for the Bible-believing Christ follower. We're going to get a solid word today. We're going to get a solid Christmas word. When you think of Christmas and getting it right, what comes to mind usually? Well, many of us, we want it white and bright. We want the tree. We want the decorations, the lights, the eggnog, the presents. We want everybody to be happy, and we want to be able to get and give plenty, and we want peace and joy to abound. In reality, many years, Christmas turns into a hassle. You're rushed. You're pushed for time. You spend your money you don't have for people you don't even like to acquire things they don't even want or need. But in our struggle to get it right, to get it solid, we often get it dead wrong and we end up making ourselves and others miserable. Usually after a big fight in my family, when the volume hits the crescendo, somebody will say, now it's a holiday. (laughs) But I believe that God wants us to get it right. I believe that, that he is not so interested in us having a white Christmas as he's interested in us having a right Christmas. So how can we have a right, solid Christmas? What do we need to understand and what maybe tweaks or changes in our lives that will allow Christmas to be a time of blessing and wonder instead of a time of being stress and tension? Well, our passage today reveals some ingredients that are absolutely essential. And now this is not the traditional Christmas text that we're about to read. John does not write about angels or shepherds or stars or sheep or wise men but he does something the other gospel writers do not do. John puts the greatest Christmas delivery of all time into context. And he tells us all we need to know to have a right, solid Christmas. Let's stand together for the reading of God's word. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, speak to us now. Let these be your words to your children. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated, please. Right away we see it and we hear it. 
and it pops off the pages or off the screen. And it's our number one point for today. Point number one in your notes. The person of Christmas. The person of Christmas. Christmas is filled with tons of distractions, many distractions. Between the personalities, the presents, the practices, the traditions, it's easy to forget the real reason for the day. In fact, many of the things we do in love are nothing more than what some people have described as ancient pagan rituals and symbols hijacked by the Christian church, or Constantine wrote into this, and somebody, the Druids did that. And, and it's like, you know what? That's fine. Have you ever really thought about how fine that is? As long as we can bring it back to verse 1, to the real essence of Christmas. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And we know who the Word is. In the movie Bible Idiots, Erwin Lutzer says the most explosive verse in all of the Bible is John 1.14. Because it lays it out right there. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. John 1.14. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed His glory, the glory of the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Merry Christmas. That's our eternal God. In the beginning was the Word. This phrase does not imply that the Word had a beginning. It means that the Word has always existed. Okay, now here's where I stand on the shoulders of scholars a lot brighter than me, but I I dug deep into this, and here it is. The word was is in in perfect tense. It means it signifies an action of the past that continues into the present. It could be read this way. In the beginning was the word, is the word, and always will be the word. The word is eternal. He has always been and he always will be. There was nothing before and there was nothing after. There has always been the word. Jesus had his physical human birth in Bethlehem, but not his beginning. Before there ever was a fill in the blank, there was Jesus. Jesus was not a plan B. There never was a plan B. Jesus is equally God. He is plan A. The word translated is literally the Greek word logos. Logos refers to speech, reasoning, explanation, a word about something. That is who Jesus is. He is called the word because the word is a visible expression of an invisible thought. Jesus is the perfect expression of who God is. Jesus is everything God has ever said or will say He is everything that God is in human form. John 1, 18. I'm going to give you two different translations because I want you to see it. I want want you just to feel it because it'll make your Christmas solid. 118 in the CSB says, No one has ever seen God, the the one and only Son, who is himself God and is at the Father's side. He has revealed him. Same verse in the King James, the way Tyndall shook it down 500 years ago. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. Declared. To lead out, to explain, to narrate. That's where the word exegesis comes from, is Jesus is the explanation or the narration of God. 
And once you start to get this into your heart and into your soul, it's, it's an amazing explosion of joy and truth. And your Christmas can be nothing but solid. The word with means face to face. The word with means toward. This tells us that Jesus was face to face with God. In other words, he is God's equal. This reminds us that God we serve is a triune God. There is one God who manifests himself in three persons. The word Jesus is one of those manifestations. He's essentially God. The the statement, the word was God, is the clearest statement of the deity of Jesus in the Bible. Not only is the word co-eternal and co-equal with God, the word is God. Later, look up John 14, 8 through 26. You can put that in your notes. John 14, 8 through 26. He said these things because of what I just explained. But I want to give you two that we're going to look at real quick before we go to point two. John 8, 58. <clears throat> Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, before Abraham was, I am. When Moses asked God to say his name, what did he say? I am. In John 18, when they say, who are you looking for? We're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus says, I am. And what did they do? They all fell down. That's God. John 10, 30. I and the Father are one, Jesus said. I cannot say I and my Father are one. It just isn't true. Only Jesus can say that and be 100% accurate. When God sent his son into this world in John 3:16, he sent one who was eternally, equally, and essentially God. In other words, when the angels sing, unto you born this day in David is a savior, is Christ the Lord, Luke 2:11, they are announcing the birth of God in human flesh. All through his life, he proved who he was over and over and over again. From peace be still, to rise up and walk, to Lazarus come forth, to thy sins be forgiven you, to it is finished. The truth and power of Jesus' deity was on constant display all through the scriptures, and it started as the word becoming flesh. Every word, every deed, every miracle declared him to be God. He alone is the person of Christmas. And then point number two today, the force of Christmas. The force of Christmas. In verse three of our text, it says, all things were created through him. And apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. If I were to ask you to tell me what you think is the greatest manifestation of God's power, everybody might have a different answer. Some would say, it's, well, it's the creation. Others would talk about the cross or maybe the resurrection. Uh, but maybe this is an idea for us this Christmas season. Maybe the greatest expression of God's power was that he added humility to his deity and came to live and die among men. Think about it for a moment. Think about just who was born in that manger in Bethlehem. And then the way that he did it gives justification to every one of us. He didn't come as this royalty. Friday, I get to talk to you about the inn and the swaddling clothes and some of these other things that we just take for granted in the Christmas story. 
But the fact that he revealed himself, who he revealed himself to, and how he revealed himself says everything to all of us who have lived that blue collar, we ain't nothing special kind of life because Jesus loved us while we were still sinners. He is the maker of creation. When you consider that the verse tells us that Jesus was the creator of the universe, his birth as a baby, does it not become even more amazing? The creator of creation humbled himself and became a creature in that creation. God became dependent on a human mother. Jesus, who is the agent of creation, stepped out of eternity, laid aside glory, and entered this world as a human baby. That is the power behind Christmas. That is why the season is not about trees and tinsels, packages and parties, meals and mistletoe. The season is about him. He's the maker of creation. I love those things I just mentioned. And the more and more you get into what we're going to share for the next few more minutes, the more and more you can put a lot more Grinch sauce on this and try to make people feel guilty for doing anything holidays. That's not what I'm about. I love the holiday stuff. I mean, there was a time we cut Emily down to just three Christmas trees. I mean, the fourth one, I, I just said, look, this, I'm going over the edge. I can't do it. I love our, our holiday traditions that we built as a family. I love some of the Christmas movies and just, you know, the whole games that we play at the holiday time. I don't want to take away from that. But to have a solid Christmas when you have Jesus and you understand what I'm talking about, the rest of that stuff just becomes fun games because the reason for the season never changes. See, he's the master of creation. Not only did he make the universe, but he has the power that holds it all together. Let's look at Colossians 1, 16 through 17. It says, For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. As one writer put it, he's the glue that holds the whole galaxy together. He makes it all. So think about it this way. Man can't really make anything that runs as it should forever, right? But take a look at our great planet, and we realize that it does not even travel in a true circle. It travels in three directions at the same time. It revolves on its axis. It travels around the sun in a path that is deflected by other planets, Still, it does not lose more than one one one-hundredth of a second every 100 years. We can only say that Jesus is in control. Then we look at the building block of the universe, which is an atom. I could take 20 minutes on this. I'm going to take two. Each atom is less than 150 millionth of an inch in diameter. If you could take the molecules of a single drop of water, convert them into grains of sand, there would be enough sand to build a concrete highway a mile or half a mile wide and one foot thick all the way from New York to San Francisco. And there are 120 drops of water in every single teaspoon. See, combine that with the fact that from one cell, your body contains 200 billion molecules of atoms. Whether you look at the universe with a telescope to see how big it is, or you look at the universe through a microscope to see how small it is, when you see the order, the symmetry, the harmony, the beauty of all that is, only a fool would conclude that God did not do it. God does it, and God is in control. And that's the only honest explanation for the order 
that we see through the telescope or through the microscope. So what does all that mean? It means that God is in control this Christmas. It means that God's in control if you got 101 fever and no heat in your house and two spoiled dogs. It means God's in control even when your wife is sick and sad and can't believe she doesn't have heat in her house. And you're driving down 3rd Street and she's like, look at all these people with their electricity. <laughs> your circumstances don't need to justify you losing your joy. Oh, your happiness can wobble a little bit. You can have a little bit of a of a turn here and a turn there. I mean, come on. We've got people that have trees that have poked holes in roofs. We've had, I mean, Brent Potter came and did me a solid yesterday and we, we had a tree that came down almost on the house and we pulled it out and it was about an hour worth of work and I had to take a three-hour nap. <laughs> That's how fatigued this disease gets you. But it doesn't have to dictate your circumstances. Your circumstances can still be that Jesus Christ is on the throne and it is going to be a solid Christmas. See, the one who made it all and controls it all, he was born into this world 2,000 years ago as a helpless infant. And he lived here in poverty and rejection to die a horrible death on the cross. And he did all of this because he loved us while we were still in our sins, while we are who we actually are. Which is why if that's our portion and our solid Christmas is happening because of him, then our circumstances will fight him. We'll, we'll journey in him. We'll, we'll have our ups and downs. But at the end of the day, Jesus is our portion. And this is not all there is. Romans 5.8 says it. But God proves his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So what is the power of Christmas? Is it a fat man in a red suit taking toys to all the good children? Is it a red-nosed reindeer or a magical snowman? Is it elves, huge meals, family get-togethers? Those can be really fun seasonal, traditional, and I don't want to take one ounce of joy from the holiday season away. I've seen pastors catch the truth that I am sharing with you, and in the middle of their oration, they poo-poo all that stuff to a level that I think is unhealthy and unfair, and I don't want to do that. But please know that those things are not the power of Christmas. The power of Christmas is God in a manger, that is the power of Christmas. And out of that power, when I would watch my children, my youngest next May is going to be 30 years old. When they were all little and their faces would light up and we would do the Christmas feast and we would do the Christmas presents and we, there was just this joy. I love Christmas. I love everything about it. Even more so when the power of God in a manger is the solidness of the Christmas that everything else flows from. That is the essence of the whole season. Last point today, the why of Christmas. Point number three, the why of Christmas. 
question, but you know, you got to ask why. why. Why did the creator desire to become part of his creation? Why did God put on human flesh and walk among men? Why did he come into this world to live and die? What is the purpose of Christmas? <clears throat> John 1, 4 and 5, the last two verses of our text. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. He came to bring life and light into deadness. When Jesus came to the world, he entered a world filled with dead men, dead people. They didn't even know they were dead. He came so that we could live. When that dead person becomes alive in Jesus, everything in their life changes. They can't even help it. It, it changes. Oh, Satan tries to confuse you, tries to counterfeit stuff, tries to drag you back. But when you have the solidness of Jesus in your life, everything changes and you can't help it. See, Jesus is the strength of the earthly life. Jesus is the secret of the effective life. And Jesus is the source of eternal life. The strength of an earthly life, we're alive today by his good grace. He makes life possible. And in John 10, 10, he says, hey, look, I'm going to give you life. I'm going to give you life more abundantly. What does that mean? Well, that means that when I became a Christian, and my best life is now, and every day is a Friday, and pick a new carpet, and you deserve that promotion because Jesus loves you. Oh, that's just garbage. Abundantly means superior. It means extraordinary. It means surpassing. It means uncommon. In spite of your circumstances, with or without electricity, that's the kind of life he came to give. And he gives your life purpose. And it's an effective life. And your effective life might be different tomorrow than it is today than it was yesterday. I'll give you an example. There were times in this last week where the most effective thing I could do was hold on to a blanket long enough to go to the bathroom and get back to the bed. And that's all I could focus on. Sometimes it was three or four steps at a time. And if I could walk three or four steps at a time and not get wobbly, that was effective. Now, the more and more that you are healthy and living normal, you take those things for granted, don't you? Then there's different things that are effective in your life. But that's what abundantly means. Abundantly means you have Jesus. You have more than you could possibly want. It's a superior, extraordinary, surpassing, uncommon existence in Jesus. And he's the source of eternal life. This is not all there is. Life is permanent in Jesus forever. Real living is more than walking, talking, eating, breathing, loving. Real life, abundant life, joyful life is found in knowing God through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's, it's so simple and yet hard to grasp because we get so distracted so easy. Jesus came into this world to bring light to our spiritual darkness. Let there be light. Yeah, you ever heard that phrase? And he stood in the cold darkness of my heart and brought light to my soul. And there's nothing I can do about it. There's nothing I can do to change it, enhance it, or anything other than grab onto it and know that that's the best goodness that I will ever have. And Christmas is a solid time to be reminded that that's what went down in Bethlehem. 
Listen to how Paul said it in 2 Corinthians 4, 6 as we close. Paul said this, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Are you going to have a solid Christmas? You can. Let Jesus be at the center of everything you do. And that's how you can guarantee yourself a solid Christmas this year. Be sure that the day is about him. And then every tradition, every possible distraction, every possible thing that comes along with the American Christmas season will be actually enhanced. And it won't take the place of what's going on, if you follow. And give him glory that he is due today and every day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Lord, thank you for the strength to get through this message. Lord, just let it be a blessing to your children. Lord, let us have a time of celebrating the first advent, of just being alive in you. Thank you for coming down from your throne to live the perfect life to die the sacrificial death, to give us victory over death, hell, and the grave forever. Not just for today, but forever. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to our Sunday message. To donate, request prayer, or to contact Pastor Chris, you can write to Lifehouse Church at P.O. Box 661, Abilene, Kansas, 67410 or go online at lifehouse-church.com. On behalf of the entire congregation, thanks again for your support.